The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Today, the healthcare of the country insight that we want to take a look at is the contrast between two states and focusing on one in particular because this country is not only divided between red and blue states, but it's divided by ideology, and we're seeing it play out in the economics and the politics of particular states. Now, in the upcoming election of 2024, it's entirely possible that we will have a very clear choice of where this country should go between what is happening in Florida under Governor Ron DeSantis and California under uh, Governor uh, Newsom. Totally different approaches to lifestyle, to economics, to politics, to schooling, to education. And in particular, California, when I grew up, used to be place where people went for great opportunities and for challenges, and in some cases as well, it used to be known as the land of the fruit and nuts, because a lot of crazy people went out there, but people went out there who were different, who had unique ideas, and some people were able to uh, find uh, careers out there, build businesses. You've got uh, Google and uh, a lot of the high-tech companies. We started out there with Microsoft and Facebook. Uh, there's an awful lot of talent. There's a lot of natural resources in the state of California. And I want to take a look at what has become of that. And I want to talk about it through the eyes of one of the great uh, conservative observers uh, these days, Victor Davis Hanson. And there's an interview with him that I want to highlight because I don't think enough people have seen or heard it. And I think it lays the foundation for what might become, you know, when I was growing up, it used to be that whatever uh, happened in California first was ultimately going to come to the rest of the country. And that has changed dramatically over the last several decades, because now what's happening in California, many in the rest of the country don't want to happen. And in fact, many people have said what's happening in Florida now is what's going to be happening more across the rest of the country. So California is blessed with great natural resources. It's a beautiful country, but it is run by not only the Democratic Party, not only the left, but the very far left dominates the politics so that very little else can be done except the most extreme far left ideologies. So I want to start by asking um, uh, Dr. Hansen, um, where is California going? What is the future like uh, with uh, uh, the state of California? What's really happening out there so we can really delve into some of the details and focus on some of the good, the bad, and the ugly of California? Well, it's headed to oblivion. And people are leaving to go to places that are what once was known as hell, hot Texas or desert Nevada, that have become paradise in their mind. And we took paradise and turned it into hell. 
So they're leaving. It's very hard to destroy California given it's got huge amounts of timber, minerals, oil, natural gas. It has, I think, four of the top universities rated of the top 25 in the world, Caltech, Stanford, USC, UCLA, UC Berkeley, four or five. So it was very hard to destroy that inheritance, but we did. Well, Dr. Hansen, um, you say California, Californians have destroyed that natural inheritance that they had of the beauty and the resources and the, the minerals and the, all the education, everything else that's going on there in California over, over the last century. Um, how would you quantify and identify, in fact, that that inheritance has been squandered? And how do you quantify that? You can use almost any measurement you want. If you use fuel, we have the highest gasoline prices in the United States, partly because we don't develop our own oil or natural gas, partly because we have blended fuels that give marginal, cleaner air but are very expensive, partly because we have the highest gasoline taxes in the world. In the, excuse me, in the United States, partly because our regulations are such refiners don't want to improve and expand. If you look at homeless people, we have almost half of the nation's homeless people. We have one-third of the nation's uh, welfare recipients. 27% of the, of the state residents were not born in the United States, so that posed an enormous challenge of integration and assimilation. We didn't do that very well. Uh, our school test scores are around 45, um, rated out of 50. We used to be in the top 10. Uh, if you look at taxes, we have the highest income tax. I think the governor is now going to sign into a bill 14.3 on top incomes, highest gasoline tax, and our sales tax, given the local and county add-ons, is among the highest. And so people then ask, and we have the, what do we get in return? And then when you look at the schools or crime, Cal, uh, San Francisco has the highest per capita uh, property crime rate in the United States. Uh, Los Angeles is now one of the most violent cities statistically. If you look at housing uh, per square foot, we'll run between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars per square foot, about eight or nine times the national average. If you Look at the price of electricity, it's 27 to 35 cents a kilowatt hour. It's unaffordable, and it's non-reliable, and it's dangerous. The, the grid is ossified, so if you live in the foothills or dry areas with October, November winds, the power lines snap, and then you get these raging forest fires in the Sierra Nevada or up in the northern part of the state or even in the Los Angeles hills, or especially in the Los Angeles hills. Well, that's a pretty damning list of lack of achievement uh, of uh, the current government, the current ideology that's running California. And, uh, you know, I guess we're going to talk about it a little later, but how extreme it is. It's not just Democrat, not just liberal, but it is a far, far left and is what's coming to the United States if we let California uh, run over the rest of the country with the kind of politics that they have generated and the decisions and policies that they put in place. You know, it it's almost sad because I have been to California. It's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful place to visit, or at least it used to be. 
But um, don't you think it's kind of sad that this is all happening to such a glorious uh, state where the natural resources, the natural energy of the people has been suppressed with uh, far-left ideology? It's sad because when you combine the Sierra Nevada, the Central Valley, the beautiful 600-mile coast, it's one of the most beautiful, fertile, natural places in the world. And under bipartisan leadership with Pat Brown and Ronald Reagan, George Dukmajian, Pete Wilson, even Arnold Schwarzenegger, there was a consensus that if you're going to grow, you have to have infrastructure. So you built dams and aqueducts. And at one time, I know this sounds crazy, but the 99 freeway was not the most lethal per mile driven freeway in the in the United States. It was one of the most modern. So was uh, 101. So was LAX. So was SO. But they've just they just calcified. They they were not developed uh, commiserate with population increase. Well, Professor Hansen, it almost sounds like the difficulties that were imposed on California by the politicians was done on purpose to keep people out. That Maybe they thought too many people were coming in to share their version of paradise, and so they made it very difficult uh, for people there hoping that they would leave. Um, is that sort of what the, um, the business model, uh, for lack of a better term, has been in California over the last decade or two? So the, the operation, operating theory in California is uh, if you don't do anything, they won't come. So if you stagnate the infrastructure where it was in 1970 for 16 million, 17 million people, maybe 21 million, then it won't work for anybody else. And if it won't work for anybody else, they won't come. But they did come. They came from very poor areas of the world. They came, because what the leadership didn't realize is that a stagnant California that was aging and its services, its infrastructure was eroding, looked, still looked like paradise to people in Central America or in Vietnam or in Africa. And so they flocked here and they needed enormous help. State services, I think Medi-Cal has gone from 7% of the budget up to 30 or 40%. And so... It's just, meanwhile, there was a war on the upper middle class, the entrepreneurial class, or the middle class. And they decided that you look at what you pay, look at what you get in terms of protection, security, schooling, infrastructure, freeways, price of gas, price of electricity, and it's not worth the bargain to be in paradise. So they leave. You know, Professor Hansen, a lot of people, the regular people in California, if you will, probably don't see or notice all of the things that are happening across the entire state. They stay in their own bubble. They work, the work and their family um, just kind of keeps, keeps them. They keep out of politics. They don't pay attention to some of the things that you're talking about. They may see some of the effects of it, but uh, they think that's sort of normal, if you will. It's kind of like the, the frog uh, in the pot that's being heated up. It gets really hot, but the frog doesn't notice it if you start off at low temperature and kind of, ratcheted up over time. So do you think regular people will begin to see and and when will they begin to see the kind of issues that affect their lives versus other people's lives across this country? Seen it already. So let's take a normal community that's not hard left progressive, say Fresno County or Kings County or Tulare County where I live. 
If you go to an August average August afternoon, it's about 108, and you will see people going to the local Walmart, and they're not going there to purchase things. They're going there to find free air conditioning because they can't afford, even at subsidized rates for being poor, they can't afford to turn on their air conditioning because the rates are so high. The rates are so high, deliberately so, so that people will not use air conditioning. So the people who set policy, whether it's on electric prices or fuel prices or the school system, they're never subject to the consequences of their own ideology. None of those people over there at Google or Apple or the state legislature, uh, Nexus, or this very wealthy corridor from here to Berkeley and back. None of their kids of the elite go to private, to public schools, and yet they're the most adamant against charter schools and the most supportive of teacher unions. I hope this audience is listening to the craziness of the effect of the liberal policies, the ultra-liberal, far-left policies in the state of California. You know, I live in Florida, and many of you listening are in the southeast, in Georgia, Alabama, the Carolinas. And we've enjoyed a level of freedom because our politics uh, emphasize the freedom of choice of individuals of trying to have a responsible government responsible to the people, and particularly trying to grow the middle class, where obviously in California what's happening is the middle class is what's being squeezed. The rich are always going to be rich under any any kind of a, a system. But the poor are the ones that suffer the most because they kind of get stuck in the system, and the middle class is what's basically leaving. Companies are leaving. Small businesses are leaving California. We've got to stop this so that that ideology does not enter into our national politics. Well, let's take a quick break. I want to come back, and I want to continue to delve into the state of California and the issues out there that we all should be aware of, because if we're not, it may come to your backyard before you know it. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. I am back. Let's talk Venezuelan with Josie Cruz and friends. Every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Only on America's Web Radio. Estoy de regreso. Hablemos venezolanos con Josie Cruz y amigos. Todos los miércoles en la mañana a las 9 a.m. Únicamente en America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are talking about the state of California in particular, its policies, its ideologies, uh, the things that have been done over the last several decades to destroy what is a beautiful state with natural resources that had been a bipartisan approach to maintain the state, to build it up as populations were coming into the state. But of recent decades, there's been a twist in that, that people, the politicians are encouraging people not to come uh, people not to uh, move into the state of California by limiting the 
natural uh, capabilities of education and energy and taxes are such that it's driving people away and encouraging people uh, not to come. So I want to ask um, Victor Davis Hansen, the guy that we are getting this insight. He lives there. He works there. He's a professor there. And um, he's got some great, um, great insights to what's happening in California. I want to ask him, do you blame the so-called elites there in California as being responsible for this? Yes, absolutely, because of the money. What happened in the 21st century, there were particular people in the bi-coastal area, the east and west coast, the one looking at the EU, the other looking at Asia, who had marketable global skills. So they woke up on some magical date and they discovered that their markets were not 300 million people, but 7 billion. Now, the what they called the losers, the deplorables or the irredeemables or the chumps, they were the people that had muscular jobs. And if they were in assembly or manufacturing, they were outsourced or offshore. They were called the losers. But this area, whether it's Facebook, Apple, Google, Twitter, uh, or Stanford University, they expanded exponentially all over the world. And $7 trillion of market capitalization comes into this area. It's the greatest concentration of wealth in the history of civilization. And that created among the people who participate in those, and they're monopolies. Google, I think, controls 90% of all searches. Twitter uh, and Apple have the same type of uh, asymmetrical monopolies in their particular fields. The, the people who control that then control the politics because they fund it. So if Gavin Newsom is going to be recalled, they pour money in. If in 2020, it looks like uh, there's a chance that Joe Biden might lose. According to Molly Ball of Time Magazine, Mark Zuckerberg infused $419 million in pre-selected precincts to absorb the work of the registrars. And so that's how they use their money, because the pr operating principle is that the skills, the insight that made us anointed financially and globally have given us... Um, a birthright, so to speak, to dictate to everybody what they should be doing with the understanding that sometimes it might not work out that like we thought, but we're protected by our money and our influence, and they run the state. I guess it gets back, Professor, to the old idea that um, money corrupts and absolute money corrupts absolutely, and that's what's happening. There's such a concentration of wealth and privilege there in California that they're able to dictate to everybody else just what they want. You know, um, I'm talking to you from the south, uh, from the southeastern part of the country, which we like uh, more freedoms. We don't have that concentration of wealth. We've got good business, good opportunities, good lifestyles, but we don't have that, that concentration of wealth that California has developed with the high-tech industries out there. But, you know, it kind of reminds me and makes me think about the wealthy privileged of the old South where we had plantations and plantation owners and they could dictate to everybody else how they should live and what they can do under the, the feudal slavery system uh, that we had 200 years ago. Does any of that um, sort of resonate with you as to what's happening in California? Very similar to the old Confederate system in the South where 
the plantation class picked and chose their candidates. They were racially obsessed. In this case, you know, it's diversity and this person and that person. And uh, they were nullifiers of federal law. Remember, that's how the, one of the reasons the Civil War started. These neo-Confederate elites have said, laws don't apply to us. And they will tell you that the laws don't apply to them. If you have federal immigration law, San Mateo County will just say it doesn't apply in San Mateo County. We're a sanctuary county. Unless you bring illegal immigrants and dump them here. That's a different question. So, uh, yeah, they, the money explains their, why we have a one-party state. That's not exaggeration. There's not one state Republican office holder. Uh, they control, they being the, and it's not the Democratic Party, it's the hard left. They control both the state Senate and the state assembly. And I think they control all but 11 congressional seats out of 53. So it's a one-party Confederate system. Well, Professor, it's pretty shocking that one party controls the state so uh, completely uh, in the politics of the state and uh, but state level and local level that there's not a single Republican statewide. We know that ultimately in any system that is so dominated by one party, including the old South that was all Democrat back then, that that ultimately collapses because of the corruption uh, that occurs, that the conflicts between local and federal laws winds up creating a tension that uh, breaks down the, um, uh, the ruling class, if you will. But tell us a little bit now about what businesses are doing in response to this, because they have been part of that so-called elite that's gone global and ignored the United States, especially the central part of the United States, in their uh, product development, their product sales. They take stuff overseas uh, for cheaper labor, and they get to sell their products uh, worldwide at a lower cost to the detriment of people in the United States having jobs and manufacturing. Uh, we're now seeing that coming back from uh, Donald Trump's presidency of, of forcing manufacturing to come back with tariffs and such. But where where do businesses go with this sort of a, a structure that you've described in the history of what's happening in California? For now... Up until the last two years, their operative narrative was, we're going to change the state, and we're going to let all the water that was committed to agriculture go out to the sea for fish restoration, and that's not going to affect us because we can always buy imported. We're going to shut down the timber industry because we feel it's more natural to have wildfires to clean out the forest and when a dead tree falls down we don't want a logging company going in there and cutting it down that's not natural and so that doesn't affect us and we don't want to tap our enormous reserves of oil or natural gas because we have enough money to pay 30 cents a kilowatt hour and we don't drive all that much if we do our jet private jet system minor expense however the last two years, when we have one of these rare moments in American history where the hard progressive left actually controls the entire government, and by that I mean the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House of Representatives, and the President, and there's no impediment to that, and then they look at the consequences and they think, my gosh, we've destroyed immigration law, 
And there's a lot of people around here that come, came up. They don't know how to drive. They, they get in wrecks and they just leave the scene of the accident. Or, my God, all of the people that are coming out here are not like Herlinda, my maid, or Juan, my gardener. They, they, they bring problems with them, and there's so many of them. Or they'll say, or, and I've talked to them, so I'm not just exaggerating. Or they feel that crime now, with all of uh, the George Soros sort of caricatured district attorneys, we had Boudin, Gascon, that means that they're following people home to Beverly Hills and robbing them, killing them. And when they're going into Malibu, they're coming out here into Atherton. How dare they do that? So they're starting to see just a little bit that when you destroy civilization, even with all of your enclaves and wealth and private security, you can't protect yourself. Well, Professor, the far left uh, nationally has been pushing diversity, 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 inclusion, um, all through businesses, through schools, through politics, through every aspect of our life. So we're seeing that part of California already sweep the country. What do you see is happening in California with this extreme liberal ideology and the issues um, of diversity, as an example? And they push diversity, 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 in all hiring and applications. And now... Not among the very multi-billionaire elite, but the upper, upper, upper elite, the multi-million, their children are not getting into Stanford or Berkeley, and they'll think, I, but I'm for diversity. I'm, but when you go into repertory admissions, so you take a particular ethnic group and you don't match their numbers in the population, but you say, given the systemic racism of the country, we're going to let in, instead of 12% in this group, 16%. Instead of 10% in this group, 12 That has to come from somewhere. So it comes from white males, and not all the white males can give $10 million donations or athletes. So it's starting, that's another example of their ideology coming back to bite them, despite their enormous leverage, prestige, influence, and wealth. Well, Professor, I guess we saw that play out with some of those Hollywood elites, uh, those actors and actresses that were putting money in to get their children admitted uh, to colleges there in California because they're probably getting bumped out uh so that other minority groups can be admitted. Like you said, that means that the, uh, the white population gets put down because there's no, there's no room there for them anymore. Uh, but yet those are the same people that were voting, uh, for this ultra leftist ideology and putting in place the politics and the policies that have hurt them. And they're finally now, uh, getting the, the backlash and the feel from that. So, where does that come from, from these people? Is it just, um, you know, ignorance? Is it um, the elite um, uh, feeling they have that they're just better than everybody else? Where does this come from? They put an enormous uh, investment in types of wealth. If you look at the Fortune 400 now versus, say, 40 years ago, there's nobody on there in manufacturing or assembly or agriculture or oil or gas like there used to be. A few. It's all tech, insurance, law, uh, things like that, media. So that, that type of money is considered clean, but not standard oil executives or something like that. So it's an arrogance because of their money, and they think, because I've made so much money, 
and the money that how I made it was so neat and cool Netflix things like that then I have a, a right to tell people how to live well professor we're pushing up against the end of this segment uh, but let me sort of say, characterize what I think I heard you say that the elite uh, feel that they're so insulated but they are so much smarter than everybody else that they can vote into politics to carry out what they think is a control of the rest of the population. But now, and especially in the last couple of years, that's coming back around to sort of bite them and and hurt the elite uh, with their own families, with their own um, lifestyles, that they're being pushed out because of the policies that they voted for and encouraged uh, that kind of limits some of the opportunities for their own children. But obviously this doesn't affect those billionaires that are in California or the multi-multi-millionaires, but it is affecting the millionaire class, which in California is becoming sort of the middle class that uh, sends more than half of their income uh, to the government in terms of taxes and is hurt by all these policies. So let's take a quick break, and let's come right back and delve more into what's happening in the state of California. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio in this third segment of our program today on California. Now, many of you may be asking, why in the world are we spending so much time talking about what is happening in California and how it has become a failed state? Well, for many of us, we take a look at the federal government over the last two years under the Biden administration and realize that wokeness, ultra-liberalism has basically taken over the policies of our federal government. And if we're not careful, the next election in 2024 will mean that that progressive, ultra-left political strength that's happening today in Washington will overtake the entire country if you give them four more, eight more years of woke policies and this ultra-liberalism of limitation and restriction of businesses and lifestyles, somebody else telling you what to do, we will lose our freedoms. Keep in mind that a leading candidate, while he said he's not going to run, he's waiting for Biden to decide he's going to run, but I think he'll run anyway, is Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, who has been instrumental in putting in these policies because he is in a state that is controlled by the same crazy uh, ultra-liberal left Democrats. Well, if we give up our national policies uh, to these same ideologues, we will wind up with California being the model for the entire country. And I'm sure the far left thinks that that's a good thing. 
but it's a loss of freedoms from my perspective and I think many in this audience. So it's going to be real important to understand where California is. We don't always pay that much attention to other states, but if that other state is threatening to come across the country and affect your state, I live in the free state of Florida. Many of you listening are in Georgia, which is a free state of Georgia, the way your government is run. It's run by conservative Republicans, fiscally responsible. We don't see that in California, but the threat is that that California political ideology is going to sweep uh, through this country. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, how in the world is all this craziness in California going to be stopped? Where is it going, and how can we prevent it from happening as a national model when it is so destructive to um, the middle class, it's so destructive to poor people, and it only helps the very elite. So, Dr. Hansen, um, how do we stop this? The only thing that's going to stop them is new emerging. They wanted to, they drove out, and I'll be frank, they drove out pretty much the old white middle class that had come here during the Oklahoma diaspora, the the Steinbeck sort of okies, that two or three million person migration, plus the old European immigrants that came in the 19th century, early 20th century, and Armenia, and then, you know, Armenians, um, Japanese, China, a lot of these people have left third and fourth generation of all different races and backgrounds. And they have been replaced by uh, Mexican-American immigrants, many of them from southern Mexico, as we saw from the racist L.A. council members who were so angry at what, what they called Oaxacan people. And so that group, they felt, would be a dependent constituency and mindlessly vote for their agenda. But two things have happened. One, that agenda has social mores in it that are not compatible with traditional culture. Transgendered surgeries at 12 without parental consent, uh, abortion to the last day of birth, uh, a war on the Catholic Church, things like that. And that bothers, say, the, the Hispanic population, which is about 45, to, depending on how you define it, 45%. And crime. They are insulated more up against crime than the people, say, in Fresno or Bakersfield or Merced. They don't have the resources, the private patrols, the security, when you bring in that many people. Well, Professor Hansen, I certainly hope you're right in that the people that are coming will find that there are policies implemented, especially social policies, that are in conflict with the culture from which they came. But we also know that the culture which they came included things like uh, crime and corruption and brutality and uh, lack of the kind of rights that we expect in the United States. So they're coming from a different perspective. So I'm a little concerned that you think that uh, the population, in fact, is going to wind up not being a loyal constituency uh, to the Democratic far left. I mean, we've seen that in major cities across the country uh, with the black population that regardless of the fact that they don't ever get out of this generational poverty and the crime that's in their cities, um, the black population was very religious for uh, most of the history in this in this country. They were the most religious, the most family-oriented, and yet that has all been destroyed. So I would not dismiss the potential of the far left to destroy uh, those values in 
the uh, Hispanic population. But let's take that another step. What about many of the Hispanics that are coming into California are not just looking for the handout and welfare, but they're looking uh, for those opportunities of the so-called American dream that some of them still see, and they want to create businesses, and they want to create jobs. How does that part of the Hispanic population uh, react to what's they're finding when they get here and they thought it was the land of milk and honey. It turns out it's a land of taxes and regulation. If people are a new generation of electric contractors, plumbers, roofers, and that is pretty much the new emerging Latino middle class, and they look at wire that's suddenly not $33 a spool, but Romex electrical wire is 180 or they look at a sheet of plywood that was $8 at 70 or they look at plastic pipe to do a plumbing job for somebody, and instead of $50, it's 200 And then that person says, I can't, what, what's going on? And they'll say, I don't know what's going on. I just fill up my diesel truck. I paid $7 a gallon. I don't know what's going on. Who's doing this? So there's. I think you're going to see that constituency in a historical shift that could approach 45 to 50% of the Hispanic vote will not vote Democratic or will stay home. And that's going to be, and it's just starting that, that revolutionary cycle. I think it could be very important for the future of California. Well, Professor, you sound like a real optimist, uh, more so than I personally am, but uh, I'll uh, defer to your, uh, your wisdom and judgment and knowledge of California in itself. So if the, uh, you know, half the um, Hispanic population ultimately begins to see the light of the California politics and the negative impact it has on their family, their culture, their their principles, their beliefs, and any businesses they're starting up. Do you think the other Californians, the people who have been there for a while and been voting in these crazy policies, that they're now being negatively affected? Do you think they'll, uh, they'll ultimately see the light as well? Yeah, I, I think they will. I don't think it will be... It won't. It'll be more pragmatic. They'll feel that what's going on is not sustainable. They'll say to themselves, "My son is 25. He cannot afford a house. My daughter can't pay her electric bill. We can't take a Sunday drive anymore because of the price of fuel. We cannot turn our air conditioner on in July in Bakersfield. We can't have advanced placement in our local school because we have all these people coming in from countries that need bilingual education." And so all of these things are conspiring to, to convince a democratic constituency that the old allure to be democratic, uh, which was come across the border, we don't care how you do it, we will give you amnesty or de facto amnesty, vote with absolute fealty for our candidates, we will be very generous with Medicare, Medi-Cal, uh, EBT, uh, electric bank transfer cards, uh, social welfare programs, affirmative action, all of those democratic lures to the underclass are not, is not as convincing when the underclass in typical American fashion is just showing the same upward mobility in the way that Italian American, they're very similar to the Italian American immigrant to the point where as I've said before, a Giuliani or a Cuomo, you don't know their political affiliation. Well, it's going to be in pretty soon, if your name is Lopez or Martinez, you're not going to know what 
by their just their surname who they're going to vote for. And that will spell the death knell of the Democratic monopoly, and that's what they're worried about. Professor, again, I hear what you're saying about the logic of what should happen, uh, as opposed to maybe what I'm thinking is that, you know, it may not happen very fast. So what is your thinking about the timing of this kind of uh, social recognition, political recognition of the problems of California and its impact on many of the population, the poor population, the Hispanics that are coming in trying to start business and get ahead in life as opposed to those who come in just to get welfare of the white population that has been voting for these things so long. Um, is this something that's going to take a, a long time uh, to really be realized? Yeah, I think they have to get a lot worse. They'll have to get a lot worse before that, because we're still talking, say, in the Latino or Hispanic group, 45% of the population, if it splits 50-50, it's still that conservative or independent Hispanic voter who, and, and I'm kind of hesitant to say Hispanic because we're in a, a massive intermarriage integration assimilation where people don't know what they are. All of our families are that way. But nonetheless, what's happening with the Hispanic group is also happening with other groups. I'm in an agriculture, agricultural community that's had a huge number of Punjabi Sikh immigrants come. They traditionally were democratic, and now I'd say they're 50-50, if not becoming more and more conservative as they try to run businesses, trucking businesses, stores, farms, in a highly regulated and controlled and taxed economy. They just don't feel that it's conducive for, they feel they have a target on their back by the government. And they can't quite figure that out yet. Well, we, we vote for you people. We vote for the Democratic Party. We vote for Gavin Newsom. And look, this is how he treats us. And I think they're starting to understand, all of these immigrant communities are starting to understand that the Democratic Party is a party of the very, very, very rich and the very poor. And they don't belong to either group anymore. And if they want to aspire to be very rich, it's very hard. It's like the rich have gone into the attic and pulled up the door, trap door, and you can't get in because of the tax code and the regulation. And so I think it's a slow process. Well, Professor, I love your optimism on how people's eyes will be opened up and they will see the truth of what's going on in their communities and how policy affects daily lives. Sometimes it's insidious for those who don't follow politics that are trying to provide for their family and their community and their church. And it takes a while for them to realize that politics, especially this ultra far left policy uh, that's in places like California and that we see today manifest itself in uh, many parts of the federal government, how that can actually affect our lives, our lifestyles, our children, our future, our the opportunities that we would otherwise have that it's taken away from the American dream and allowing people at the lower end to actually rise up if your party is just about the rich and keeping the others in line. Well, let's take a quick break, and I want to come back to a final segment and delve into how is this really manifesting itself in the general population and how are people really seeing what's going on? Are their eyes really being opened up? And is there really any hope for California as we move forward? 
Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and the final segment here today of Healthcare Insight. And if you have been listening, and I hope you have, we have been talking about the state of California and the impact of far-left ideologies over the last couple of decades in the state of California. There are no elected Republicans statewide in California. Uh, the bipartisanship of the Ronald Reagan uh, governor years or Duke Majin or, or others that have come in to play, even, even Schwarzenegger, um, he was Democrat and Republican, I guess. Um, that has gone by the wayside, especially in the last couple of years where there has been sort of a support of that far-left ideology from Washington, D.C., it has encouraged and um, accelerated the liberalism in the state of California. So we're trying to see how those negative policies are beginning to affect uh, the minority community, those people who want to start up new businesses, people who want to get ahead. And the Hispanic community that's come in has cultural issues that are in contrast to that far left uh, democratic uh, uh, ideology. They believe in family. They believe in church. They believe in the American dream still that many of them come not just to get welfare, but to actually get ahead and prosper. And they're finding it very difficult in California. And so uh, what Professor Hansen is suggesting is that while it may be a slow process, that there's a movement towards more conservative ideology, which will translate into conservative politics. But I want us to go step back and ask Dr. Hansen, how does all this manifest into the daily lives? And if you think that they're actually going to change and become more conservative and ultimately vote more Republicans in to create a balance of power within the state, how does this uh, type of a negative lifestyle, negative business uh, model work in the state? How is it manifesting itself in the daily lives of individuals? And how does that manifest itself when you talk to somebody? Where I live, if I talk to somebody, the food store, or somebody comes by to see me, or I get gas, I'm talking to somebody, they'll say things like, Victor, have you seen what's going on in the school? They're trying this transgender stuff with my kid. Or they're making fun of the Catholic Church. Or they're letting kids tell say that boys are girls and they're only 12 years old. Who's doing this? Why are you guys? And they always say, why are you doing this? And I always say, I'm not doing it. You're doing it. You're voting for a party that is doing it. And then they say, yeah, but why are we doing it? 
you know. And so this area's uh, elite are getting more and more and more and more left-wing, esoteric, eccentric, and they're divorcing themselves, even though they don't know it, from their constituencies. And I think at some magical point it will be sort of like the Rio Grande Valley in Texas where all of a sudden these Hispanic communities that were loyally democratic are starting to flip because they're the front line dealing with illegal immigration. And remember, illegal immigration is not 85% from Mexico. It's from Venezuela. It's from Africa. It's from all over the world. And a lot of the people don't feel any ethnic affinity with the people coming across, so they're much more emboldened to criticize illegal immigration. So, Professor, you say this is going to be a slow process, but also it sounds like things have got to get a lot worse. As bad as it is, it's got to get a lot worse before it really changes and a significant portion of the population begins to change their voting patterns so that the policies that they live under uh, can be changed. So what is that going to look like uh, if it's going to get a lot worse? I'll tell you, let's just go through a barometer of things. Let's say that you want to drive down I-5 from San Francisco to Los Angeles. So you drive over 152. It hasn't changed to get over there. It's still a two-lane road in parts. You get on I-5. It used to be two lanes each direction, modern. Now the entire right lane is full of semi-trucks. And... They go into the left lane, so you're having slowdowns, not in L.A. area or San Francisco, but out in the middle of nowhere. And then the driver says to himself, well, wait a minute. There's a 100 yards of empty land and right-of-way the state owns, but they're deliberately not adding a third lane because they're engaged in this unicorn called, chasing this unicorn called high-speed rail. But I have the highest gas taxes. Where is my third lane so I can drive? Or they'll, they say... My son is a straight-A student at Fresno Unified, but I just looked at his ACT, ACT scores, and they're pathetic. What did he learn? And they get angry. Or they say, we used to want to go up, let's say you live in Celia, let's go up to San Francisco for the day, watch a Giants game, go to a fishing, and they go up there. And they say there's feces on the street, there's needles, there's people that attack you, the cars have signs in it, nothing in car, car unlocked, please don't break window with the windows down. And so the basics of life, and we talked about not being able to turn on the air conditioning or fill up. And remember, when you're driving, say, to Fresno, to San Francisco, you're filling up at 6.50 a gallon. So they think the basics don't work anymore. And then you add the aggravation that the people who did this will aggravate you with these social and cultural issues. It's whammy, double whammy. Well, Professor, do you think, especially people who have moved here to California in the last couple of years, do you just think that what they're coming up against in terms of regulation and high cost and taxes, that they just will feel that that's just normal. That's just the way California is. It's the way California runs, and we just accept it. And for people who have been there a long time, it's that old story about, you know, you put a frog in cold water and you begin to heat it up. They don't know it's getting heated up until the frog is, is boiling to death. But he never notices those minor changes along the way that were creating that boiling ultimate boiling temperature. Um, is that what's going to happen? People just think that the way it is in California is just normal? 
I think that would, what you just said is applicable up to about 10 years ago because of the, the enormous wealth. Again, $7 trillion cuts a lot of criticism that trickles down throughout the state. And remember, that was welded on or fused onto a dynamic economy that had a very, very successful banking industry. It was a leading, leading agricultural state. It's the fifth state in terms still of oil production, natural gas, even with all the regulations. It had, it had a vibrant timber industry. It had a huge construction industry. So it, it had the fifth largest economy in the world. And so people said, no matter why you, how you do it to screw it up, it's just bothersome. It still works. They can't destroy it. It's got a lot of rot in it, to, to quote Adam Smith. And now I think, wow, they have done so much so quickly that they're starting to, you know, how do we pay for everybody to get $1,000 for gas just give away? How do we get all these COVID checks? Why aren't people in California working when they're making, maybe it's because they're making more money with California Relief than the people who are working. Why are we paying for billboards in other states to encourage to come to California to have abortion? Why do we get $500 million for illegal aliens or broke the law for COVID? These questions start to come up when they see that the system is, is not working. So you said this is going to take a long time for these realizations to occur. What's going to happen if nothing changes sooner and we have 30 or 40 years down the road with these same policies and the same uh, far-left ideologies in place? After 30 or 40 years, the middle and upper middle class is increasingly not quote-unquote white. And they are starting to get hit at, at about 10, 11% at $70,000 a year. And so when they go up these rungs and they start to see 11, 12, 13%, and then a tax increase at Washington of 40, up to 40, and they start to do the math, I'm paying 53% of my salary. And then they think, well, wait a minute, I used to make very little. I didn't pay the taxes. I got a lot of social services. Now all those people that were in my present position have gone. They've left the state. And now I am taking their place, but I thought I would be exempt. I would never leave the state for what the reasons they left the state, but now I realize I have more in common with them than I do the people here. And so you start to see people who are Japanese, Chinese, Latino, Sikh, um, and they say, why don't these people work? Why are they taxing me so much? Why are they sucking me dry? So you really don't think it's going to take 30 or 40 years before something really happens that we are in the middle of that 30 to 40 year process, maybe 20 years in where there is a, a real change going on in the population of the Californians who are moving up into the middle class and realizing uh, that uh, there's a real problem for them to advance any further. Is that what you're saying? It's changing. And so people are saying, uh, I'm no longer necessarily uh, a beneficiary of this huge uh, 
uh, repertory state that is the most liberal as far as affirmative action and hiring and missions and social programs and rhetoric, all of a sudden I'm a middle class and my kid is named Brandy Lopez or Declan Martinez, doesn't speak Spanish, he's very well educated. And now he's got a target on his back because it's very hard for him to buy a house or to go anywhere. And and this this is a new phenomenon. And most of the people that I knew in my community are gone. They've left. They'll never come back. They've all left the small farming community. So, Professor, as these liberal policies begin to fail more and more people, fail the lower income people, fail the middle class that's developing in California, those people who are looking for the American dream and they find out that the California dream uh, was just a nightmare. Do you think that the elites who put this in, the political elites, the social elites, the economic elites, will ever admit that they were wrong? No, they'll never say they were wrong, but they'll change their thinking. They will say that these people who did these terrible things of the state were apostates. They weren't the true liberal. They were deranged. They were extremists. They hijacked the liberal revolution. And uh, they'll never say they're conservative or traditionalist or that their way of thinking doesn't work. And uh, so they don't, very few will, will admit that they're responsible for this state by voting these people in. No, no, they, they're ideologues. So ideologues will always go all the entire trajectory to oblivion, claiming at the very last moment before everything just is destroyed that it's still working. So you'll, but they're not the people that will count. The people that will count are the independents, the residual Republicans, and new people, immigrants. And the funny thing is, if you let in a lot of immigrants, and we're starting to change now, you're starting to see people in this with our new open borders from Venezuela and Cuba and from India, and a lot of these people have seen socialism or quasi-socialism, and they're not necessarily going to be as loyal a constituent as, as people were from Mexico in the beginning. It's a very volatile situation, so I'm... I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen to California, but we're getting to the point in conclusion where um, the state as we knew it doesn't work. Well, Professor Hansen, we're just going to have to leave it there. I think your insights and your hope and aspirations for California to turn around are admirable. Um, my fear is that California is going to take too long to turn around and their politics are going to leak into the rest of the country. So I appreciate your your comments, your your facts, your figures, your knowledge about California that can make the rest of us aware of the dangers of voting in of more and more liberal ideologies into our state and and uh, national politics. So maybe this is a good word of warning. Uh, for those of you who have listened through this, I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope you'll join us back again next week on America's Way Radio for another segment of Healthcare Insight. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.